Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All I ever wanted was a little love. I want true it's true. Hello and welcome to True Romance. This is Carolina Barlow. And this bitch is Devin Leary. Devin and I just dusted off our uh, conversation. We we caught up. It was beautiful. And one of the things that we caught up on was a revelation I'm having. It's only took me 33 years on uh, this beautiful blue and green and smoggy planet of ours to realize that you actually have to wait to trust people before getting close to them. I think that I came from such a... Lo- I'm jumping in early, you guys. I think I came from such a place of low self-esteem that if anyone wanted to be close to me that I thought was funny and nice and fine, I was down. I would I would overshare. I was a chronic oversharer. I was the kind of person to like get drunk with someone and be like, you're my best friend. And now I'm at a place where I'm realizing that, no, I have to trust you. And there's different friendships I can have. I can have a totally shallow relationship with someone. Or I can just not know someone well enough to tell them, you know, deep secrets in my life. It's kind of like, I'll I'll use the example of my car accident, which I weirdly feel close enough to my listeners to talk about. But when someone asks me what happened to my arm or my hand, I don't have to tell them everything. And even knowing that, like, even that took me years to realize that I don't owe everyone everything. I can keep things private that I'm not ready to talk about. And that I need to trust you before I share things with you. And that is, um, that's called radical. That's called revolutionary. That's called um, life altering. But it's really helpful for me. And I hope helpful for anyone listening out there who is maybe reflecting on past friend groups they've been in that weren't healthy and thinking of how to change that. And, And my advice, what I wish someone had told me was, you do not have to trust people just because they're proximity to you. 
I think that's really beautiful. Thank also, you. like, could you be more mysterious opening the podcast by I saying know, it sounds like um, something I crazy actually happened. just learned that you cannot trust another person. <laughs> you um, cannot trust anybody. And you I sound hope like everyone Rose. this week. Oh, that's so funny. I'm on my Helen journey. And um, no, but but I this is actually apropos of nothing. It's apropos of stuff that's happened like years ago. But I feel like I've just learned. I've just been able to apply it to my life, which I find radical. Yeah, that because is a lot of the things I know. And I'm watching I'm watching myself apply it to my life, which is radical. And I feel like a lot of the things that we know intellectually, they are hard to actually practice in our lives. And it's very helpful to know that I can have a private life that people are not entitled to information about myself. And this does sound like someone betrayed me recently, but they really didn't. I don't know why I feel so compelled. It's called women's intuition. Ariana Maddox has it. That's why she opened Tom Sandoval's phone. Um, it's rad. It's rad. Devin, I know. How as love life been treating you? Well, I was going to say, I think that the problem with me is that I do feel ready to talk about everything at a moment's notice, which is why I just went to brunch and talked about my harm OCD, my <laughs> attachment disorder, my uh, brainwashing from a young age. And that's kind of the problem is that I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to talk about it. Like floor open. Here I am. Um, Mic on. Is this thing on? Is this thing on Uh <laughs> title of my memoir? No, I'm kidding. Um, the love life has been so interesting. Like I just deleted hinge. I didn't delete Raya, but only because like I paid for the month. So I'm like, I'm not going to like waste this. Like, and if I happen to match and if with I Horatio Sands, <laughs> then like whatever. So if, be it. if, um, if yeah, whatever. So like, but I deleted the apps and some of the things that led to that. So I remember I, I told, on the podcast that I previously had, I, I like to have a, a question that filters the insane people out. And I, it used to be, I had um controversial opinion. Kim Kardashian is asexual. And then like all these people would be like, Oh really? Then why did you have a sex tape? And I was like, great. So you're actually part of what's wrong with the world. And then I had guess my weight as a joke. And then people actually did. And I filtered them out. But then I changed it to guess my core childhood wound because I thought it was more obvious that that's a joke. Some responses. One guy said, can I ask you something? Oh, no. And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Go ahead. And he goes, what's with the core childhood wound stuff? And I was like, oh, it's I a joke. Hate. And he goes, oh, OK, because it just seems really dark. And I was like, all right, unmatch. And then another <sighs> guy before we match, like the way you can put a comment and like you can like comment on someone's thing and then they choose like we hadn't even matched yet and this guy puts your core childhood wound obviously isn't that dark otherwise you wouldn't be joking about it i was like why are you attacking me and then this is so interesting to me it because it's like okay so no matter what you have put in these question boxes people have chosen to enter into conflict I like, know on a dating app, people have chosen to be like, no, Kim isn't asexual. And this is why you dumb bitch. Like, it's just so aggressive. It's so weird. I'm like, are I, you're clearly angry about something. Why does it have to be a stranger who is just looking for love? I'm just looking for love out here and you're making it so uncomfortable. I know. I also like one of them I answered earnestly because I was like, let me let me like maybe put a little more effort into like these prompts. So I like answered earnestly that like that some of my hobbies include like reading, making collages and watching reality TV. 
And this one person asked about reality TV and he's like, what shows do you watch? And I was like, this, this and this. Do you watch or like, do you watch any reality? And he goes, no, but there wasn't much else to go off of on your profile to ask about. So I had to ask that. I was like, what? what? Why have these people who has raised these men? It's the most... I'm like, this is this is what we are left with. This is the dregs of humanity that I'm forced to talk to online. Okay, I so- used to imagine when I was in high school and I just wanted to get laid constantly, I used to imagine how amazing life would be, utopia would be, if you went into a party and you saw a green light, kind of like a Sims light over anyone's head that would hook up with you so I could just know who to go towards and hook up with. And that is basically dating apps. Like you can match with people and you don't have to go up to them and say, can I make out with you? Or I've always liked you. Or do you want to go have sex upstairs in a room? All things I've said. But unfortunately you are matching with people like these fucking clowns who don't even know how to have an online conversation with someone. Why am I in a fight with you? Okay, so... Two other things. One of them is like I am the victim and one I'm the villain. So this guy uh, and it's probably going to be confusing which one is which. So this guy asked for we like messaged back and forth a little bit. I was it was one of those things where I was kind of like half and half. And I was like, uh, like, I don't know. He asked for my number and I was like, well, whatever, like, just give it a try. I have an open mind. He asked for my number. He texted me. It happened to be in the midst of this thing this past week where I was like, okay, I think I need to take a break from dating again. Like I'm always going back and forth. Like, should I be dating? Should I be taking time? And so I just didn't respond. I also, whatever stuff came up less than 24 hours later, he messages me. Well, that day he messaged me. Did you get my text on hinge? And I was like, what? And then the next day, less than 24 hours later, he messages me. What's the point of giving me your number if you're not going to respond? And then I was like, okay, this person is obviously actually scaring me now. So I unmatched them. Then today I get thanks for ghosting. He texts. So I decide to be like, all right, I'm going to just address this because I didn't ghost. Like, I'm sorry to me. If I've never met you before, I just don't think I owe you anything. And if I, don't I owe you anything, if I ask for someone's number, which has happened to me on the apps and then they like didn't respond, I would be like, great. They just like changed their mind. That's normal. By the way, this is a man well into his 40s. So he goes insane behavior. Thanks for ghosting. I say. Hey, sorry, I didn't respond. I realized I need to take a break from dating. I don't consider it ghosting when I've never met a person. Be well. And he said, it may not be ghosting per se, but it shows lack of common. But it shows lack of common courtesy. Changing your mind is totally okay. Oh, By the way, way, thanks for the lesson. Change your mind is totally okay, but at least be honest about it. Anyways, wish you best of luck. I go, you too. Exclamation point. You too. What a fucking nightmare. This is like, putting me in a homicidal state. I know. And it's like, I, d- maybe don't go into the dating pool because I'm immediately ejecting myself from it. But the other thing that happened that was so funny. So there was this really hot guy that I met at a party once years ago. And like, I know through some mutual people. So I got up the nerve and slash was in like a really sad um, post breakup mood <laughs> recently. Like, I got some courage. AKA okay, I, I needed to do something or I was going to smoke a pack of cigarettes and like go ask Light like, myself on a, fire. Uber driver to go down on me. Yes, exactly. I'm like, I was girl bossing it out. Meanwhile, I was sobbing in my bed, like watching below deck sailing yacht and being like, why doesn't anyone want to make out with me? So I messaged him and said that I thought he was hot and wondered if he ever came to New York. He said, I'm coming next week. He's like, I have tickets to come next week. I was like, 
okay, this actually is working. And like, I guess I have manifested my own magic. Destiny. I'm a magic. I'm I'm witch. I'm witch. Meanwhile, I had been messaging with this guy from Hinge who at first it was like really flirty and fun. And then slowly this guy was like being kind of weird. But he had told me that, that he how lived. it always goes. That's how it always goes. But this guy on Hinge had told me that he lived on the Lower East Side. And we had like a long conversation about the fact that he lived there. Okay. So the guy that I messaged on Instagram, I had given my number to on Instagram. This whole weekend passes. And I'm like, wow, I can't believe the guy, the hot guy from Instagram just never texted me. Like, that's kind of sad. I would have loved to like meet up and have casual sex with someone who like is hot. But I just like chalked it up to like life is hard sometimes. Okay. (laughs) Meanwhile, I had received a message from the guy from Hinge, a text message who I'd also given my number to. And he said, like, do you want to meet up? And I was kind of like, okay, this guy's like already weirding me out. But I was like, uh, yeah, sure. Like, and he's like, where are you located? I'm like, bedside, where are you? And he's like, I'm staying in Carroll Gardens. I was like, wait, you're staying there? Like, do you not live in New York? And he goes, no, I live in San Francisco. But like, I'm um, I'm thinking about moving back here sometime. And so in my mind, I'm like, wait, this guy is a pathological liar. Like we had a long conversation about living on the Lower East Side. Now he's talking about he lives in San Francisco. Like, what the fuck? So I go, um, I'm actually like not ready for like, to date, right? Like to I said, date this, a liar. Yes. Yeah, I said this thing that's like, hey, oh no, I said, hey, sorry. I feel like we were texting because like, I thought I was looking for something casual, but I'm actually looking, this makes it even more embarrassing. I was like, I thought I was looking to casually date, but like, I don't think it makes sense for us to meet up because I'm actually looking for something more serious right now. And like, you don't live here. And he's like, oh, well, I don't think we would have to like necessarily jump into a relationship, but like, okay. And then I was like, ew, why did he say that? Just didn't respond to him. And then I had another lonely moment recently and I was like let me like scroll back through all my messages from unsaved numbers and like see if there's anyone like interesting to like reach out to because I have a void that I'm like working on like not trying to fill all the time with attention and I open that message again and I realize that the message that was like I live in San Francisco was from the Instagram guy I thought it was the hinge guy and it was actually the Instagram guy and he was like saying let's meet up so basically I from this guy's perspective, I messaged him on Instagram. Hey, you're hot. Like, do you ever visit New York? And he's like, yeah, I'm visiting next week. And then he texted me and I was like, wait, you don't live in New York. You're and he's a like, psychopath no. and you're going to kill me. And I actually am not just here for a fling. I texted you. Hey, you're hot because I'm looking for a partner. I know. And then I so I ended up texting him just because he does know some people in common with me. And I was like, hey, I'm so sorry. I thought you were somebody else. And I like completely busted our chance of like getting together. I'm so bummed. And he was really funny about it and was like, oh, my God, no worries. But I was like, wait, I cannot believe I like sabotaged myself. And also that like it must have been not meant to be for some reason. But it just is so funny that that happened that way. Um, So basically, sometimes I'm the victim and sometimes I'm the villain. And a lot of times I'm both. Um, And also, I think that I need to just not date for a while because I, I need to learn how to take care of myself and not need to literally search random numbers in my phone to see if anyone will pay attention to me. I want true Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. 
you'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Well, as we usually find ourselves, I'm in the opposite position where I actually do need to think about dating. Um, That being said, and this is something that we want to jump into on what is turning out to be a witch episode, I did get my tarot cards read. The T is silent at the end. Tarot, not tarot. And I um, did find out, okay, well, this is what happened. I got three tarot card sessions in one day. How does that happen? You might ask. I had already had a session planned with Sutton Crawford. You can find her on Instagram. She is great. She calls herself a tarot pissed because she reads tarot, but she also is very constructive. And it's not as much as like, you're going to have a boyfriend. You're going to get rich. Everything's going to work out for you. She's very much like, okay, what the cards are saying right now is something that you need to work through a trauma with a lowercase T or trauma with an uppercase T. She's very much like prescriptive, very helpful. I really like her reading. So I do that. And then I go to a market with a a coworker and the coworker's like, should we go get our tarot cards read at this market? I could have said, no, I already did that for an hour this morning. But instead, because I didn't want to admit that, I said, yes, that sounds fun. So we go to that tarot card reader. This tarot card reader tells me it was one of those great experiences where, first of all, the coworker said, do you want to do this together? And I said, yeah, sure. Again, afraid to say no. I am there with a coworker, not a best friend. I'm not there with Devin. Okay. I'm there with a coworker, the tarot card reader. When I ask about relationships and I kind of say it casually, I'm like, you know what? I guess let's just see about my dating life. Maybe I don't really have any attachment to the outcome here. She pulls up the death card. She pulls up the card with all these swords and someone's bleeding back. 
I'm like, got it, got it. Trying not to have like a, like a face that's like revealing my feelings. I'm like, okay, I did say I was not attached to the outcome. I, this looks like, this does not look good. Like I'm, I'm really going to have to do some mental gymnastics to make this like a good thing. And she says, and then the emperor card comes at the end of it. And she was like, oh, good. Like I basically just wanted to pull um, a like good card for you. Like after all of these bad ones. And she said, though, which I thought was very interesting, was very helpful to me. She was like, you have a story that you keep telling about like an old person, basically. Like you are stuck in an old an story. An old person? Oh, my God. No, uh, Is it your you know grandparents? What I, mean? I know. Ageist. Um, she was really ageist. And she kept on making fun of old people. I mean, like they walk like this and imitating walking with a cake. No, she was very another person who was very prescriptive, which I really liked. But she was like death is you need to have an idea that dies. You need to, mm. and you need some of these ideas you have about yourself and relationships need to die. Mm. And Devin has really been watching my struggle with imagining that anyone would want to be with someone who has like a scar on her hand, a scars on her body. And Devin has been really pushing me to actually imagine myself as someone who can still date. Um, and that is an idea. The idea that I can't is something that I do know needs to be like relinquished before I am to date. I buy, before I enter the dating field, I can't go into it being like, no one's going to love me. That's just not a, that's not a place to go into. And, and knowing that and knowing that I am still stuck on the past and I do need to let go of the past. Like I have been talking about my ex boyfriend. I mentioned Kyle as we called him from episode one, all the time. It's crazy. And not in a way of like, fuck him or I hate him at all. It's more like, well, yeah, I went there with my ex, Kyle. Oh my God, Kyle used to say the funniest thing. Oh my God, yes, no, no, no. So me and my friend ex, were Kyle, were dating. Like he is so a part of my narrative and I need to let that go. I don't talk about any of my other ex-boyfriends and I never had a relationship that was so serious. But still, I do not have room for a new person when I am telling a story about an ex literally all the time. Good things. Even it's almost worse because I'm like, so not letting go. I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. That was so much fun. Me and my ex did that. Yeah. I mean, I think like, even though we're in completely different scenarios, I also am not able to go into the dating pool without thinking like no one's going to love me right now. Cause I just like, that's like how I have always thought about myself is like, no one's going to love me. So I have to learn how to love myself which is so fucking stupid but at the end of the day like it ends up being like yeah I guess you just have to love yourself and I think it's actually starting to work in a lot of ways like slowly but um it's taking a really long time but that's okay but I've also like only really been in intensive therapy for like a year so I have to give myself some credit for that but I actually just got a Jungian tarot deck and? and I would love to pull a card for each of us. Dying. I'm dead. What's your intention for your card? My intention for my card is to know more about what is to know what is waiting for me if I opened up myself to love. Okay. Let's see. It would objectively be funny if I got the death card again. Well, I don't know what it is because it's the Jungian thing. So I have to look up what this means, um, which is why I have two books about it. You guys, I love that our message on the podcast today was like, hey, sounds pretty crazy, but to love someone else, you've first got to love yourself. Devin just cringed at me when we should can only mean good things. Okay. Six of pentacles. Gain Six of pentacles, you nerd. <laughs> pentacles. Six of pentacles. <laughs> it's over for you guys when Devin learns how to read. 
gain of wealth and power through hard work. That's the last thing you need. No, that's that's the last thing mm, this bitch mm, needs. mm, mm, This bitch mm, needs mm, less mm. hard work. This is wrong. I'm Um, literally humping my couch right now. Carl Young, I have a word to pick with you. Okay. I thought you were calling me Carl and I was like, is that my alter ego? (laughs) No, Carl Young. The Six of Pentacles stands for unswerving self-discipline for long and hard work, which yields impressive results, often against substantial odds or in opposition to many who say that something cannot be done. A person is driven toward one ambitious goal and has the strength of character never to be moved from the course toward that goal. The road can be very solitary, requiring great patience and perseverance. There are some very dark periods of uncertainty and depression before the goal is attained, but self-assurance and other aggressive personality qualities guarantee eventual success. I think this actually does apply to your love life, but give me a second. Um, Here is an extrovert who reaches out toward others easily, yet whose behavior is under absolute control. Clarity and communication is essential. Time is money. A well-organized procedure is established and followed. One's effort may lead to the pinnacle of achievement and others may be inspired by example. Yet the successful person may be perceived by fellow workers as humorless and cold. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You can as say that. As overly strict. Feels like as, looking in a mirror. Wait, as one who is all work and no play. Yeah. That is kind of me. And who appears to place money, power, and personal success ahead of people. Uh oh! But this is what I'll say. Someone got my diary. (laughs) So this is what I'll say about this. It applies to your love life in that I think you are gonna have to work hard and persevere toward the goal you want, which is a life partner. Like I think this is telling you, you're right. Stick with stick with what you really want. Don't like just casually like fuck around with people. Like you you do deserve love, and you have to go and make a job out of finding it, and you have to take it seriously. And you will get what you want if you're diligent about it. And I think you are very diligent. I think you're right. I think it means two things. One of which is that I'll be rich and famous. And if the other of which is that I and I've talked to other friends about this, it's just hard for me to take my own advice. It's work. It's work to date. It's work to go out there. It's uncomfortable. Just like some days you're like, I don't want to fucking do this. The easiest thing to give up is like putting yourself out there romantically because you don't need it to pay the bills. You don't like necessarily like you're going to survive if you're on your own. It's just not going to feel good. But I I guess like something a friend used to say is like you don't get to do the wrong thing and feel bad for yourself. Yes. And so I don't get to not put myself out there and be like, nobody's going to marry me. Yeah. I mean, I just don't like, I'm sorry. And and this is coming from someone who does do that. I don't, it doesn't make any sense for me not to try to go on dates to not even give anyone on hinge a chance. Like I, I, cause I don't, and then complain about how I'm going to die alone. Like I just, I just need to offer the universe a little bit of help here. You know, I mean, totally. And so that is something that I think is like really important and and something that I needed to hear. And no, I do not feel already right now, but I do I do feel like if metaphorically my mind is a door that's shut, I'm slowly opening it. Like I, I'm starting. It's sort of like when I was recovering from my eating disorder. Dramatic comparison? I don't think so. And I remember sitting in my bathroom in rehab and thinking there might be a day where I do not think about this all the time, like throwing up and not eating yeah. and eating and binging. There's might be a day where I do not think about this. And, and that day came and I, I live a life now where I don't think about that. And, and I really, I really want to live a life where I don't 
think it's impossible to be loved romantically in the exact state I'm in. Totally. Love that. Um, Okay. What is your intention towards your card? I need to know, am I supposed to be alone right now or is the answer to find someone else? Okay. Okay. Let's see. Love it. Cue Jeopardy music. Bing, but <laughs> Is that Jeopardy music? Hard to say. Yeah. Two of Cups, adventure. <gasps> Ooh, adventure. Oh my God, I love this one. Okay. As the adventure card of the tarot, the Two of Cups represents a very wide range of situations and conditions outside of ordinary day-to-day existence and to some extent beyond the control of the individual. The usually chosen experience may be to travel to an unknown land, visiting new places, and experiencing new customs, foods, and behavior. It may be a brief, possibly sexual encounter. I don't need more of those. Um, A situation may be planned, or it may be an exhilarating and challenging surprise. There are two considerations. First, a great heightening of sensation. Feelings are unusually sensitive. A story of my life. Feelings are unusually sensitive. That's my personality type, okay? And second, there is no security in this unpredictable experience, which may be exciting and safe, but which could also be dangerous and mean trouble at home or in the workplace. As in any adventure, there is no certainty about what may happen next or how the situation will be resolved. Moreover, the adventure is specific to each person and to their past experience. Okay. To a lion tamer, a safari may be a routine, whereas to a librarian, it may be the event of a lifetime. In general, this card means an exciting change from routine. Now, that is interesting because my routine is to serially date people. So maybe the exciting change is to not do that. Or maybe the exciting change is to meet a prince with a Ooh, castle. A prince with a castle. Okay. I have, um, I, I would like to offer an interpretation, please. Okay. I think that both of us, I know you don't like us when I speak for both of us, but I I'm going, I'm, I'm guessing with you. I'm guessing okay, okay. with you. I think that, you know, I'll just say people. I think that people think in black and white terms a lot. And I think to you, you're either dating, actively trying to find someone or you're not dating at all. And I don't think that we even know what a medium looks like. Totally. And I think adventure implies to me like you are going to live your life in the state of an adventure and some things could happen. Totally. You could be alone for a month. You could have a brief fling for a week. You could meet the love of your life. And I say this, it sounds like a joke, but I say this so, I I mean this. You could meet the love of your life in six weeks and be (gasps) together forever. I sound like a psychic when I said that. And as um, people have told me, stop telling people that I'm psychic. So I'm not going to say that. But I will say (laughs) that I think that we are not in control like, which is news to people like me. Totally. And so we don't get to say, I am not meeting anyone. My focus is on me. Totally me. No boys allowed. I am also not the kind of person who's like, I need to find someone right now. That also doesn't really work, you know? It doesn't. My therapist said that when COVID started, she said to the universe, whatever you want. Mm. And she said, whoever I can help, in my life let have them walk through my door this is like it was so exciting when you know like your therapist admits to being like a little woo-woo like that was a really exciting moment for me because mm. as as you might have been able to intuit um off of my of the day when I got three tarot readings I am a little woo-woo so I think that 
there could be a, a motto which is like whatever yeah whatever happens someone, freaking whatever happens. happens and and you don't have to make any promises to yourself that then you feel obliged to you know uh not break like when you totally. say something it's it's a little bit binge and starve don't you think yeah i think you're right i don't think it's bad to say like i need to take a break but i don't think it's i don't think it's bad either to say but like if i meet someone i really like i'm gonna go for it totally yeah, I think like just having experiences is what I need to be focusing on right now. I just think like, I yeah, I struggle with the thing of like, I need to totally heal myself before I'm ready for another relationship. Like, I don't think that's true, but I think like I do seek validation. Like I've like been dealing with the pain of losing my last relationship. And then the way I like deal with that sometimes is trying to get like attention from other people. And I think that's like harmful to the people and to myself. But I also think it's like that's like part of the human condition. Like, I don't want to be overly hard on myself for it. But um, so, yeah, like I deleted the apps because I need to take a break from that kind of like attention seeking. But I also think that um, I should be like you said, like just being like, who knows? I'm going to have experiences. I'm going to like do more things that I'm interested in and focus on that. And then, yeah, I'm going to have fun with myself. Don't know that I'd use that phrasing. Also, LOL, when <laughs> when I was like, I was like, Caroline, I don't really like it. I was like, okay, so you know when it's like when you like speak for both of us and you say like Devin and I this and she goes, oh, you don't like that? As if like, oh, that's weird. You don't like that? No, it's I, like, I, I said <laughs> this course. is a conversation we had off mic. Devin said, by the way, I don't like it when you speak for both of us. And I do. I do do that. I think that's a codependent behavior of mine. I said, because I was practicing like clear communication where I was like, okay, so you don't like that. That's how I thought. Okay. I okay. 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 I get that. But I just thought it was funny. Cause I was like, no one would like, you don't that. like that. We're not best friends. You like the same things I like, and you don't like the same things I don't like. And if that's not true, then I should close my computer right now. Ooh. I think that enjoying time with yourself doesn't have to be by yourself. Does that make I agree. sense? Yeah, I think it's like you can't really ascribe stuff like that. You're right. It's like I think I think people are like, this is what's healthy and this is what's not. It's like who knows? Everyone does what feels right for them. And like every everybody is gonna get hurt and hurt people. That's what trying to love looks like and we'll all just do the best we can. Okay. I want truth. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 
24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. So speaking of which, uh, two important events in the history of love and relationships this week. The finale of and reunion of the ultimatum queer love and the final reunion of Vanderpump rules. Do you want to kick it off with the ultimatum? Yeah. My thoughts on the ultimatum. So I think that it's really fascinating to see an all female or gender nonconforming cast on a reality show. It was really funny. Every single proposal took so long because both parties had so much to say, like there was so much over communicating. Whereas I feel like in straight, like proposals it's like uh will you marry me oh my god yes yes this was like i want to respect your feelings i love you and care for you i want to be aware of what this means for both of us we've both been on such a journey i was like all right just get to the fucking thing um tiff and mildred obviously very toxic and upsetting and i like i said what struggled with both of them and then came around to them at different parts but this was really tough basically tiff starts talking about how their dog almost died and mildred interjects and says and what was the date of that oh because you said you couldn't come to my family's christmas on this like wow immediately jumps in i gasped and then they get in this huge fight about mildred accusing tiff of buying sexual board games and that being proof that tiff cheated on her tiff classic sign of a lie by the way tiff goes okay what was the quote-unquote sexual board game called mildred says it doesn't matter what it was called it matters that i found it classic like kindergarten lie matters i don't care so that that is that couple i think the whole mal yoli xander love triangle was so devastating because there was such good people on all sides and I was so happy for Yoli and Mal to end up together. But then I was like so sad that Yoli couldn't do with Xander because Xander and Mal are both amazing. I think that the growth that Xander showed by saying so basically like Mal was Yoli's original partner. Yoli did a trial marriage with Xander, started having feelings for Xander and then fell in love with Xander and then had to choose between original partner Mal or new partner Xander. And basically Yoli chose Mal and then Xander to camera was like, I don't think she made a mistake. I, I'm glad she's happy, but like, I'm really sad. And I was like, I can't even imagine the growth that these people have experienced. Okay. So then Vanessa and Xander, Xander broke up with Vanessa thinking that they could still end up with Yoli, but I still think it's good for them to get out of the relationship with Vanessa because Vanessa is toxic. Vanessa pulled the classic thing of like, 
first so Xander breaks up with Vanessa and first she's like okay well like I just love you and I'm really sad but like I accept it and then starts putting in the manipulation of being like remember when we were this but remember when you said we would always be together and then like starts like kissing Xander it was just like wait yeah the claws I I remember that I remember the all those moves and Xander's just like well I love you but like sorry I'm over it and I was like thank god okay then Vanessa gets like a horrible nose job and lip injections before the reunion and looks much worse okay Lexi and Ray had the classic thing where Lexi at 26 years old wanted to get married Ray wasn't ready to get married Lexi gives an ultimatum and Lexi's whole thing was like you don't love me as much as I love you because I'm ready to marry you and you're not not ready to marry me. Mm -hmm. And I have done that exact same thing in relationships where I'm like, oh, if you're not feeling the exact same way that I'm feeling, something's wrong. And that means you don't have the same value as I do or something. And I think that's really off. Um, And I think that's why the whole, like Mal said that she, uh, I actually don't know Mal's pronouns. Mal said that, they don't believe in um, ultimatums after doing the show. Uh, and I agree uh, yeah. because it's like you can't like ultimatums come from thinking, you know, what someone else's like feelings are or should be. And in reality, it's like everybody has their own process. And if you want to get married right away and the other person doesn't, that's not personal to you. It just means that the person doesn't maybe want the same things as you or something. And like you need to move on. Whereas I think in previous relationships, I was like, okay, so you don't want to move in together. So you don't love me and I love you. And so that's unfair. And you're the villain and I'm the victim. It's like very black and white thinking that I think I was raised with, but like isn't accurate to the world. Um, So that's a major lesson I took away. Uh, Aussie proposed to Sam and pulled a prank by explaining this whole thing and saying like, um, I penguins mate for life and they find each other a pebble. So Sam thinks that she that Aussie's going to like propose with a ring and then Aussie pulls out a pebble and is like, this is my like rock for you. And Sam Mm -hmm. is pissed off. Then Aussie says, just kidding. Here's like my ring. I'm proposing. If somebody did this to me, walk out, walking out and also like despite everything that I just said, I'm going to go against it right now and just say like. When someone proposes to me, like they do have to be crying and saying like the most beautiful things that have ever been said. And if they don't, I will say no. I'll say you have to rethink what you just said. There's so many bad ways to propose. And I've seen so many of them on TV. I know. It's like just like I don't want you to propose at a baseball stadium or like I don't like the flowers on the bed. I'm thinking of the Kardashians with all of these examples. Um, but I don't, I just want like, I don't, I don't want to be in a bar like Schwartz did for Katie Maloney. I don't want Rochella. I just want someone to surprise me like on Christmas morning and yeah, just Christmas would be awesome. crying and be so excited because it's me and I'm perfect. Okay. But also what was, where did Schwartz propose the bar that, um, you fucking did? James was like, you proposed James that- Kennedy is my celebrity crush right now. And he said, when Schwartz made fun of him for Rochella, he said, oh, because your proposal was so cute. You did a fucking rockin' Rillies bar, you fucking nerd. And yeah. what's going on with your, let's take a look, look at your life. You're opening up a nothing bar. You can't even open up a bar in Poo Poo Village, meaning Silver Lake. He is a toddler. 
And I, we love him for it. He's really, he's really the backbone. You see how much Andy Cohen likes James because James provides the show with so much texture. He and does. Entertainment. I don't, I don't even care that he got on it in a really gross way, being that he basically hooked up with Kristen Dowdy. She needed him just as much as he needed her. We needed them. We as a country need him. Yes. And he's basically our defense against, you know, our own depression. He is a part of, America's defense, national defense system. To use that to jump to the last part of the Vanderpump reunion, obviously I would love to, there's one place in this earth I want to be in that is within the trailer with Sheena and Allie and Brock watching the footage. The best. I I felt like I belonged there. You really see Schwartz, I don't think he's smart enough to realize what he did, but he is stood by Sandoval while Sandoval says things like, oh yeah, I slept with Ariana once and she kept her shirt on the whole time. It was so hot. Like Tom The most disturbing thing I've ever heard a man say on television is that, and I lived through the Trump era, people. (laughs) No, truly, I was shocked. I was so shocked because- I was shocked. I watched it. I watched it two hours late because I was watching Ultimatum Finale and I saw these tweets about the T-shirt comment and I'm like, what the fuck's the T-shirt comment? When I saw that shit, I w- I rewound it and watched it again multiple times because I was like, that can't be real. That cannot and be Schwartz real. puts his head in his hands and you think, wow, you have stood by this person and you probably said to them, like, just look good for our business's sake. And he couldn't do that. He also, I mean, we have already talked on the pod that he called Ariana a mother effer. I mean, and he really said it, motherfucker. Um, I'm like, he, he really, really said, said motherfucker. He said that word. Um, <laughs> I will say this about the reunion. Obviously, Raquel has a personality disorder that I I'm not well versed enough in the you know DSM to to really know how to diagnose her. But something's up. I I have a diagnosis, but go on. But I think production was a little irresponsible in letting people just come after her at the reunion. Look, it's both what we wanted. We wanted to watch a gladiator fight in the Coliseum. And it's both like, I did feel a little gross watching it because it reminded me of when I went through not something similar at all, but adjacent where uh, my uh, friend of mine ended up hooking up with my ex-boyfriend behind my back when we were on like a quote unquote break, whatever. I said horrible things to her, mean, insulting things. I regardless of that she did something that was hurtful towards me, I don't like that I said all those awful things. I don't want to be someone who says things like that, regardless of what people do to me. Now, I wasn't in a decade-long relationship and have my house guests be fucking my boyfriend behind my back while I was telling her intimacy issues we had. So Ariana has a few up on me, but I was just overwhelmed by the vitriol. And that says a lot for someone who's watched as much Vanderpump Rules as I have. I was like, I I needed like, I was just overwhelmed. And and listen, Tom Sandoval was not helping his case by being like the worst. He barely seemed apologetic. He just seemed annoyed. And it was exactly what Ariana said when right when Scandoval breaks, she said to Sheena and Katie, she was like, and he was yelling at me like he was upset with me. Yeah. Like Sandoval still has that air about him. So. That's how I felt. I also want to comment on the fact that Raquel and I read an interview with the producer who basically had her confess that, yes, they were sleeping together in Mexico and all of this crazy shit at the end of the finale. Yes. 
he said that she was the one who wanted to do that. Like she was the one who wanted to clear the air and tell the truth. And I don't know if this is someone who loves TV because when she was stormed off at one point, when she left, she took a sip of water and came back. And I was like, I would just be out of there. I'd be like, there's no amount of money that's worth this truly. And she, I think likes being on, I think she might be one of those like good press. Like there's like no bad press people. Okay. This is my analysis. So once before the end of the episode, I thought Raquel was a sociopath and possibly on the spectrum because I watched a TikTok about how she might be on the spectrum. And I watched the whole episode. I'm like, yes, she has no feelings. She's like, I've also heard someone say like, but she that she's like so dumb that she's using all of her like mental bandwidth to like stick to the story. And so she just like comes across as like having no other thoughts or feelings. This is what I think. Cause then I, then I'm like, but that like doesn't quite hold up because she's had like friendships and relationships with these people. I know she's not the smartest like tool in the shed, but like she, she has had like more emotional nuance in the past. Like, I don't know what's going on when I saw what happened. First of all, when her and Sandoval left and went to her dressing room and they were like giddy and laughing again. And then they show her interview where she's very emotional crying she keeps like trying. She'll like try to lie. And the producer is like, you seem weird or you seem different. And then she'll immediately admit the truth. I relate to that feeling of being in the love bombing phase with a narcissist choosing you is such a fucking drug and a high that I think during the whole saga and the whole reunion, she was so high on that, that she actually wasn't sad. Like she felt guilty, but she felt like this high is worth everything. I don't care if I lost my friends. I don't care if I lose my family. This person has chosen me and nothing else matters. And I am like, I don't want to be this person, but I ultimately don't care. It's literally the same as like being like a cokehead. It's like, she like goes back to the dressing room with him and she's like, okay, that was horrible, but I don't care because he's in my dressing room with me and we're laughing and that's all that matters. Then he must have turned on her. She agrees to do the interview and that's where she's finally processing that this person has affected her so much to make her a different person than who she really is. So that's when she's crying emotional. Wow. Yeah. That's I what I really think up. because I really relate to that where you're like, okay, all my friends and family are mad at me, but like this person wants to spend their nights with me again. So nothing else matters. She also did seem like in the last interview that she was realizing some, uh, she was, yes. it was finally coming to her, like what she had done, what she had done. I know also like, my friend watched the reunion without having watched any of the show. And she was like, honestly, like Ariana is so repetitive and just saying like they're disgusting and fuckers over and over again. And I was like, honestly, it's true. We didn't have what we needed, which was like there wasn't really anyone in the reunion who was able to deliver really good, accurate roasts and attacks of these people. Like James is too sloppy. Lala was like angry and like making it all about herself. Ariana is too wounded and just isn't a mean person. So she wasn't able to come up with anything better than like just being like, you're disgusting. I liked what she said. You're a Dementor and I know you like Harry Potter. Yeah, that was really good good ones. I liked when Tom Schwartz said Katie has a history of diminishing my friendships. And she said, you're friends with everyone. You're like a serial killer's wet dream. Yeah, I thought she was prepared. I thought she really came as a fan. And I thought she was very calm. Like when they brought up how Tom Sandoval was basically attacking her for accountability she was like, yeah, I just think it was funny because he obviously wasn't. He was like, I'm taking accountability now. And she goes, not very well. Oh, my I God. I really liked her energy. And 
I did like that Lala Kent repeatedly called Tom Sandoval dangerous because I believe anyone who lies like that with no remorse is. I also loved when she was like, when he said the t-shirt comment and she said to Raquel, that's who you're with. That's who you're with. I was like, that's so true. Like, that's really scary and sad. Well, speaking of scary and sad, speaking of sad, that's it for today's episode. Oh, I'm scared. I'm scared and I'm sad. I feel so lucky that we have been doing this podcast for three years. I just had a moment of gratitude. Makes one of us. Just kidding. I really love our listeners. I love the messages we get. I love the fact that I still learn from Devin. I can't believe it, to be quite fair. Um, And to be fair. To be fair. And I am just grateful for anyone who chooses to listen. And I'm hopeful for all of us as we look for love on this on this crazy planet. This smoky ass planet. Smokey the bear. Okay. Smoky ass planet. Well, love you, Carol. Love you, listeners. Love you, Cookie. Love you, Devin. Love you, Moon. Good night, Moon. Bye. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.